sharing the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast. We're back. Yeah. Back recording together. That's right. Distanced. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we've moved things from our homes and back into uh, a similar room. It's great, man. Which means I don't have my intro notes in front of me. Uh-oh. But I do know this. In and through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. And I know that my name is Tim, and I'm the senior pastor of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. And I know that I'm Marshall Morton, the associate pastor at Memorial Baptist in Stratford. Notes or not, I think we nailed it. I think we did, Tim. I think we did. Yeah, you know what? We're just in our groove. Yeah. You know, no more Zoom. Nope. No more. Ever. Ever, never, ever. Uh, no. I'm know, zoomed out. We should, we should not say that. Yeah, Zoom fatigue is a real thing, though. Yeah. I mean, if anything, just the idea that we can podcast in person, that that means there's a you know, few less hours of Zoom in my week, that's something worth rejoicing. Absolutely. <laughs> and so this will be the episode where we adjust our mics the whole time. Probably, yes. And probably talk about the Bible some. Hopefully. That's the goal <laughs> of every episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So here we are in, uh, in the reading, mm-hmm. working our way through more of the Chronicles, the Kings, yep. Obadiah. Yeah, he makes an appearance. And a sprinkling of song. A little, little bit of this and that. Sure. Mixed bag. Yeah. So what are we going to... you? We were talking about the forest before we got started. We were. Doing all of these different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many different locations that we're reading from. It can be difficult sometimes to pull all that into what, what do we feel like a central theme that sort of runs through this section would be. Sure. What I- in the progress of Revelation, I, I think that that's something we've kind of gotten away from talking about a little bit. But one of the real benefits of reading the Bible chronologically is we get to see the unfolding of what we call progressive revelation, right? That God is showing more and more of himself and revealing himself and his plan more and more as he goes through. Uh, so what what portion of the progressive revelation, what kind of theme, that's what we're talking about when we talk about the forest. Uh, thoughts on this week's reading? Yeah, yeah. So for me, what I kind of mentioned as we were discussing this was, for me, what kind of stood out is actually part of a prayer that one of the kings of Judah makes. And he says, uh, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And so we're going to see a number of kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom. And we're going to see that when these kings, and by extension the people of God, are true to the Lord, he remains true to them. Mm-hmm. But when they depart to go do their own thing, then things will not go well for them. And that is, I think, kind of something that we see generally throughout a lot of this week's reading. Yeah. What about you? So so for me, I, I, I think in, in that same line, I would say be careful how much faith we put in human leaders, mm-hmm. right? This is something that we were warned against uh, just maybe two weeks ago in Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Um it's something that Moses gives in Deuteronomy. Do not trust yourself to a king. Yeah. But when you inevitably do, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. Right? Right. And then and then I, I think about Samuel, when the people are like, give us a king. That guy's got a king. I want a king. Mm. Right? And he says, listen, if you have a king, they're going to look after themselves because that's what kings do. Yeah. And they're going to take... Your children as servants, they're going to send your young men off to war, and they're going to steal your fields for their own use. 
Yeah. All of those things happen today. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, on a very large <laughs> scale, repeatedly. And, and even to the point of literally taking someone's field. Yeah, that's... Or, or better, taking their lives so that they can take their field. Yeah, kind of a roundabout way of doing it. Yeah, but. you know, so what we learn, what we learn in this week's reading is that if a, if you want to buy your neighbor's field yeah. and he doesn't want to sell. Just hire you, people to kill him. You have him killed. <laughs> you, you, you commit false accusation against him. Right. Have him lynched. Right. And then the field's available. Boom. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Because that's what a king will do for you. <laughs> and so, so yeah, all of the things that Samuel warned about, all the things that Moses warned about, we start watching in this. And, mm-hmm. and, and the kings are tough books to read. They are. Because you read and you're like, and it will start off, this guy came to rule, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, worse than his fathers before him. Mm-hmm. And then the next one says the same thing. Yeah. And so it's just bad to worse. Like you said, particularly with Israel. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, you get a guy that's like, he was okay. He still didn't tear down the high places, mm-hmm. places of false worship. But he wasn't as bad as the rest. Yeah. Now, the next guy was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and this, is, this is downward spiral, just sort of mm-hmm. at, at its, the epitome of what downward spiral looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah the the like you had mentioned the the northern kings in particular are just they're all bad like there's there's virtually no redeeming qualities in mm-hmm. any of them, uh, the southern kings kings of Judah you know you have the Asa did some good stuff right he yeah. just says he was true to the Lord right wasn't as good as David but you know kind of in the same the same vein right but but uh, but Israel the northern kingdom like it's just a mess. Oh yeah, like just a total one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Everybody's killing everybody. Like the regime change, like almost every couple of years, it seems. There's no, there's no sort of like visually appointed by God, the man of God, anointing, and all that kind of stuff. No, it's just barbaric, pure on secular, uh, the taking of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the, there's not like this like clear line of David continuing in the north. It's just people just grabbing the power as soon as they have an opportunity, right? Just leading a coup. I mean, the one guy, I think the, I, I think it's Zimri, and he rules for a matter of days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. he doesn't even get the opportunity to, like, you know, like, change the curtains and, like, get a new <laughs> crown to fit him. Like, he's, like, done. Just done. Uh, right. By the, by the time a lot of people find out that he's even a ruler, because it's not like they had the internet, so he couldn't just sure. sort of throw it up on Twitter. Hey, guess what? <laughs> Right. So by the time everyone gets a copy of the, you have the, like the crier that would go out and read the scroll. Mm-hmm. Right. So the guy's out there, he's like reading, man taps him on the shoulder. No, 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 no. There's no. another guy just running out of breath. <laughs> right. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> that was, that was a thing. Yeah. But no, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So in the midst of all of these, like just messed up Kings, particularly in the Northern part of Israel, we do get this redeeming character. Who makes an appearance? Because these are the days of Elijah. These are the days of. It's your favorite worship song, right, Tim? Um, so, anyways, you uh, can you can look into that in the uh, episode we did on worship music. There you go. And the songs that we don't choose. <laughs> That's one that we we don't choose as much. Um, Elijah. So Elijah. I mean, Elijah is just this amazing character, and his his um, fame is continued to be remembered even in the time of Christ. Right. Like when all this stuff is happening with John the Baptist mm-hmm. and stuff happening with with Jesus early on in his ministry, they're like, "Is this Elijah come again?" 
because like he is one of the greatest figures they can think of. Right. Uh, that, that fills his prophetic office. So before we move on about Elijah, I just want to say this thing about prophets in general. Okay. Because this is the this is the first time really since Moses that we've had the prophet of God that's come in, right, and uh, and really been heavy on the scene as a prophet. Right. Right. Uh, I I one time I just I couldn't find my Book of Mormon, and so I called free delivery means they're going to bring it to you and open it up and read it to you, right. And I was doing this study thing, and, and I wanted, for a reference, a Book of Mormon. And so I called them and had it delivered to the church office. Nice. And, and, and I was thinking, this is go- they're going to want to come and sit down and talk and all that kind of stuff. That's great. That's fine. Uh, thinking, you know, they're going to see that it's a church address, right? And so I'm probably going to get, like, elders or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. No, they send these two teenage guys to sit down and try to convert the pastor, <laughs> right? And so we're we're going back and forth and everything, and, and and there were a couple of things that they said that I was like, I understand that that's, like, using the word the great apostasy, right? And I was like, well, I think what you mean is a heresy. I understand that Mormons call it the great apostasy, but I don't, that word you keep using, I don't think it means what you think it means kind of a thing. <laughs> nice. Um, but it's a... But at one point, I asked him, I said, why was there so much space between what God would allow what you call the great apostasy, the false teachings that would go from the apostles until the foundations of the United States and this guy who finds the tablets uh, that have been hidden? Why would God allow all of that space? And their answer blew my mind. These guys looked at me and said, God only sends a prophet when the heart of the people are open to hearing from God. Mm. And that's the way it took place through all of the Bible. (laughs) No, it did not. (laughs) And I thought, you could not be more wrong. (laughs) Tell that to Jeremiah. At this point, at this point, they were like, so there's a part of me that wants to just sort of do like the James White apologist, jump on it and be like, boom, 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 boom. There you go. You're wrong. Right. Mm. Mm. They were so wrong on this one that I started to feel sorry for them. Mm. And, and instead of just being like, gotcha, I was just like, gentlemen, <laughs> because the prophets actually come for the opposite reason. Exactly. The prophets always come to say, you have hardened your heart and God is going to bring condemnation if you don't repent. Yeah. And Elijah is the first of this inside of this period of the kings Mm -hmm. where they have been wrong after wrong after wrong. And God is saying, you have transgressed away from my covenant so much. I am going to remove my hand from this people and I am going to turn over your promise to another people and kick you out of the land. This is what all the major and minor prophets are about. Mm -hmm. And Elijah is the first of these. And... And so, yeah, that's uh, that's my quick story <laughs> on prophets. No, don't it, don't think don't be confused as the Mormons are to think that prophets come because people are ready in and of their own strength. Right. Consecrating themselves before God and ready to hear the good news. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. The prophets come to say, bend your knee. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing Elijah does is pronounces a drought. 
Yeah. For three and a half years. So three and a half years of drought. <laughs> and it happens. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's provided for, right? He he first he goes by the brook, then he goes to see the widow at Zarephath. Yeah, not only not only is he provided for, but those who provide for him are provided for. Yeah. 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 And and I was saying earlier, I was reading through this when I was in university and sort of out on my own doing the whole like trying to turn ketchup into tomato soup because mm -hmm. I had no money mm -hmm. uh, because of school and uh, <laughs> and, and reading this and, and about how, you know, the, she was constantly provided for and, you know, things didn't run out thinking, could I have a gas tank like that, God? <laughs> could I just have the gas tank that it, it could just sit on a on a quarter tank? All the time. <laughs> um, That's great. But yeah, she's provided for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her son is healed, which is pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. um, then we get to the showdown. The showdown. The showdown. And everyone knows this one because everyone with a children's Bible that has more than two pictures, this is one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's always super epic. Noah in the Ark, yeah. the showdown, mm -hmm. Jesus with the kids on his lap. Those Ooh. are the three pictures you it's have you to have in a children's Bible. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So the the big showdown, right? I okay. So I love this because you know it says that the, the the children of Israel at this point in time they are according to Elijah they're limping between opinions, right? Right. So sometimes they're serving Yahweh, sometimes they're serving Baal or the other the other gods, and they're just they just can't make up their mind, and they're just you know going back and forth. And Elijah's going to demonstrate who God really is. And <laughs> I love this bit when when the prophets of Baal, and there's hundreds of them, are like freaking out and crying out and cutting themselves and doing all this crazy stuff to get him to show up. Elijah's like, yeah, maybe he's on the toilet. Yeah, he's taunting. <laughs> he's just like, oh, man. Yeah, this this man of God is saying things that you would not get away with in a Baptist church. No. No, you would not. <laughs> right? Just people the people would be in and, and, and maybe even like to a degree, rightly so. I, I think there is something of temperance sure. that comes with our Christian means of expressing ourselves. Uh but but yeah, this guy it, saying things like this to the like he's he's pretty harsh. Oh yeah. 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 It, it someone a pastor doing that in a church today, there would be meetings had. <laughs> yes, there would. Right? Uh but he's rude. He's in their face about it, mm -hmm. uh, and then God shows up in a big way. Yeah. Also important, when he prays his prayer to God to say, show yourself to them, mm -hmm. he also prays that all that I have done has been given to me by you. This mm -hmm. is not license for people to just say, hey, you know what? If you really have faith, dream up something extreme right. and trust that God is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Elijah's doing this because this is what God's given him. Yep. Yeah. Not because he dreamed it up and God said, what a great idea for me to show up and show myself. I'm going to yeah. support that. Yeah. I'm not going to leave him hanging. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I've heard it the other way around. Mm -hmm. I've heard people make the argument. I've heard it too. Do big things and dare God to show up. Yeah. Watch he the will. fire fall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's probably a few worship songs been written on that premise too, but we'll uh, we'll move along. Um yeah, so then I mean the story of Elijah continues. I don't I don't know how much we want to get into it, but mm -hmm. he he rides this roller coaster, right? There's this there's these high points and these low points. 
you know, he's greatly discouraged and then he's like defeating the prophets of Baal and then he's, you know, running off into the wilderness. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you said there was a there was a, a story that you really love. But did you want to save that for the end? No, no, we can do it here because at the end of it all, right, like he's he's up on the mountain praying mm-hmm. and he's waiting and his his guys with him because all the prophets have a guy. Yeah. That just hangs out there with him like servant <laughs> guy. Uh, and, and he sends him out and he says, come back with a weather forecast. And he comes back. He's like, nothing. Yep. He's like, Go look again. Seven times. Mm. And the kid comes back and he says, so there's a cloud coming up out of the sea, but it's no bigger than a man's hand. Right. Nothing. It's, and Elijah's response is, run. <laughs> run and tell the others to run. Yeah. And he Hikes up his robe and books it. Yeah. Yeah. Hussein Bolt, BC. Get just, out there. Just yeah. Giving her. It's great because <laughs> it's great because in that it shows that that you know what he, he didn't wait for it to rain. Mm. He knew that God was going to bring the drought because God had told him. Right. He knew that God was going to relieve them from the drought because God had told them. He didn't need the clouds to turn black. Right. He didn't need the rain to come. He didn't need to wait and see how much rain came because, you know, relief after three years of drought is going to take a substantial amount of rain. So let's see if it's an afternoon shower, if it's actually going to be relief. As soon as there was a sign of the promise of God, he said, that's it. Mm. That's it. Here it comes. Love it. Yeah. So all of this is going on during the reign of one of the worst kings in northern uh, Israel's history, Ahab. He's, is it re- hold on? Is it really Ahab reigning? <laughs> that's good. That's a good. That's a good point. Behind yeah. every Ahab, there's a Jezebel. Yeah, there is. So between the, between that dynamic duo, things are not going well. Um, and Ahab decides to fight this war against Syria, but you know Syria is a big player, so he decides he's going to try and hire. Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah at this time, and Jehoshaphat's one of these decent guys. Oh yes, he's a decent, like he's a decent king. Like he, again, he's not perfect. He's not, he's not a David, but, but he, you know, he he worships the Lord, and and so Jehoshaphat's condition is like, look, I'll go to war with you, but we got to inquire of the Lord first. So inquire of your prophets, right? Mm-hmm. And Ahab's got some prophets hanging around. Yep. So he asks them, and they're saying, yes, you will. Be successful. You will you will defeat your enemy in battle. Right. Like there's one dude running around with like horns on his head saying, this is how you're going to do it. And I don't know, yeah. really know what that means. Yeah. And Jehoshaphat's like, do you got anybody else, though? Yeah, just to be sure, right? Like, because everyone here seems to be of one mind. Yeah. Can we get uh, another quote on the, you know, on the yeah. project here? Let's see what else, you know, someone else thinks. And, uh, you know, Ahab's like, well, there is this guy, Micaiah. Right. But I don't like him. No. I don't like him because he doesn't tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> he doesn't say nice things about me, so <laughs> I don't keep him around very much. What a great position for a king to have. I don't <laughs> like him because he's not nice to me. I, I, I'm looking for the prophet of God to give me truth, but I want that truth to be what I want that truth to be. Yeah. <laughs> if that does not sum up the human heart in oh, so few words. I know. And so they call him up. Mm-hmm. He says, no, nah, let's hear from him. 
And they call him up, and I love this. They call him up, and they say, do you think we should go into war? What does God say? And he says, go. It'll be given to you, just like all of these other prophets you have come in have said. <laughs> He's not sure that this is trustworthy. He says, I, 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 can, I can smell some sarcasm from what you're saying. Yeah. And the response? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, wa- I wanted you to go. Because I wanted you to die. <laughs> right. You're right. I was lying to you. That's not what the Lord said. That's not what he said. You're going to lose. Oh. And, so, and so what do they do? They're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to war anyway, mm-hmm. and we're going to throw you in prison. Yeah. Because yeah. you gave you gave us a bad prophecy. Mm-hmm. What, so what's the point in asking him? I know, right? Makes- Which is probably why he lied to him. He's like, sure. I'm a prophet. Don't you think I know that you don't care what I have to say? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you, w- there's no win in this for me. Right. I, so fine, whatever, just go. So that first one, it's not like, like you could read this and you could be super confused. Why would he lie if he's the mm-hmm. prophet of God? Yeah. I think what he's saying in that is go do what you're going to do anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you didn't come to me for advice. Yeah. You came to me for permission. Yeah. And people do that. And look, we, we, we can do that sometimes, right? Like we try to spiritualize a particular course of action mm-hmm. as though, oh, this must be God's way because I did this token thing that is going to add a, a level of spiritualness to my decision. But I've already decided on this course of action, perhaps even against the counsel of wise people, mm-hmm. perhaps even against, you know, um, what God's word might have to say about this mm-hmm. scenario. And then, so why even try to baptize this bad idea? Right. Like, just go do what you're going to do. Right. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not all bad, right? We see a couple chapters later, Jehoshaphat, he's got a war situation in his hands. But what does he do? He gets all the people to fast and to pray, and the Lord fights for them. Right. Destroys an army that had some way outnumbered. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they didn't even have to, they, like, they just had to show up and clean up. Like, that's all they had to do. Right. They, and And so... I love I love that we we still get some pictures of of some kind of redeeming quality in in Israel. It's not it's not the days of David, but it's you know when the people are faithful to the Lord, when they remember that He is the one who fights for them, then God does fight for them. Mm-hmm. It's, you know it's wonderful to see. Yep. Um, then we have Obadiah. Oh yeah, Obadiah, the Christ. shortest shortest book in the Old Testament, I believe. Mm-hmm. Not, not calling out against Edom. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much saying you're going to get it. And and it's and it must have been written at a time when Israel was going through some difficulty because he's saying, hey, don't be mocking Israel while they're going through their punishment right now mm-hmm. because you're about to get yours, too. Yeah. So so one thing that you're going to see as we go through the prophets is uh, the prophets don't only prophesy for and against Israel. Mm-hmm. They prophesy for and against other nations as well. Yeah. Um, because all kingdoms and nations are under the hand of God. Uh, and so here we have a prophet who is prophesying against, to and against mm-hmm. another nation, telling them, uh, watch your step, mm-hmm. be careful, because you, Israel is in a downtime. They are going to be punished for their sin. Mm-hmm. You might even reap some of the reward by taking them over as many nations will. Um, but be careful because they are still God's people. Yeah. And he will come for them. Yeah. Yeah. 
do I think a lot of what we're going to get, especially I think we get really heavy into this in Isaiah. Um, a lot of that is just sort of God has ordained you to come and conquer Israel as punishment for his people, divine punishment for his people. Mm-hmm. You still need to do that with respect and humility. Like destroy this nation with respect and humility, giving honor to God. Right. And... Uh, and that's that's the kind of warning that we see in those texts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we we kind of end we kind of end with a couple of psalms, right? We've got mm-hmm. eighty two and eighty three. Um, yeah, and I, I found I found Psalm eighty two actually kind of kind of timely, um, just with a lot of it that's going on right now in the you know political and social climate. Um, you actually spoke on biblical justice. That was the the theme of your sermon uh, just last Sunday, and it, it really speaks to that, right? To to give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain mm-hmm. the right of the afflicted and the destitute, rescue the weak and the needy, and deliver them from the hand of the wicked, right? This is this is a, a calling, um, you know, on the people of Israel to stand up for those who who can't stand up for themselves, and uh, yeah, without getting you know overly political and diving too deep into the mire there let us just look at the word and see what it says and hold ourselves to that standard because that is that is the calling of god on our lives as it pertains to to justice right yeah and and you know these these recordings are offset by about two weeks i think it is what we're at right now that's so so this will i hope this doesn't air at a time when things have kind of blown over Mm. Right, the, our our society moves on from major things so quickly yeah, they do. that in two weeks there's a there's an opportunity for people to be like, oh yeah, that thing, mm. right? And the way 2020 is going, yeah, could very well something could else be. could come up in such <laughs> a way. Like I, like even even in the last couple of weeks, I've seen people put post things like, remember COVID, or right. remember the fires in Australia, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, oh yeah, or the the brink of war with Iran, or yeah. the, the murder hornets. Right, still, still waiting for those to show up. But. Right, all of these things that keep popping up. There's a, there's a chance that we could move on too quickly, mm. right? Mm. And and sort of waste these opportunities for reflection. And so, uh, yeah, like is is it getting political or not? I because I'm not afraid of getting political if that means that we want to talk about justice. Right. If we're going to get political, start talking about rights and lefts and. Uh, and, and those kinds of things that to me starts getting into an area where one, I think it's irresponsible for pastors to go. Agreed. Um, I, one of the, one of the pastors that I, uh, look up to most as far as all the pastors that I know personally, um, sort of a hero of mine said one time, there are people in my church who believe that I am a card carrying conservative. And there are people in my church who think that I voted NDP and I'm happy about that. Sure. Because people need to know that I love God and I love them. Mm. And they don't need to know my political opinions. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I think that that's very true. And so not going to get into that, but, but I will go this far. When people want to start saying that anyone who talks about justice is losing sight of the gospel and moving on to... Uh, social justice gospel or social gospel and those kinds of things, that is the most untrue thing ever, mm. right? I saw there, 
so we do this podcast in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. Yep. And the Gospel Coalition, the main branch, the international branch, or the U.S. branch, whatever you want to call that branch, posted an article about justice in Scripture in the wake of all that was going on. And I saw it retweeted by someone who said, you have most certainly lost the G in TGC. Wow. And and it was, to me, is the most baffling thing. How can you argue that someone who would say, no, we have to stand up for the rights of the oppressed means that we have forgotten the gospel, mm-hmm. right? The gospel, the gospel that Christ died for our sins so that we might be forgiven, that is the gospel in a soteriological nutshell. That is how we come to be saved, right. by knowledge and acceptance of the gift that Christ has offered to us on the cross. Mm-hmm. With that come implications, yeah. A changed heart has implications. Those implications are that we would live as Christ lived so that we would reach people in their physical need, in their economic need, in their social need, so that we will continue to reach them in their spiritual need. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you are going to say that your gospel has no practical implication— you are reading a different Bible. Yeah. Because the Bible so clearly throughout the Psalms, not just in Psalm 82, mm-hmm. talks about seeking the oppressed, mm-hmm. the, the, the good of the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Proverbs talks about it constantly. Yeah. Right? Isaiah, which was my text uh, when I preached on the biblical justice, uh, Isaiah talks about this, right? If you have something against your brother, according to Jesus, leave your place at the altar. Mm-hmm. Go get that straight. Come back and worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the big tragedies amongst um, a lot of people within modern Christianity is they uphold one or the other. They act as though there's some kind of juxtaposition between, you know, the gospel and, you know, the, the gospel proper in the soteriological sense and and kind of the the implications, you know, the justice implications, the social implications that that ought to flow from that. And so you have some people touting, you know, social justice without the gospel. And then you have another group touting, you know, well, no, the gospel. But then for some reason, they don't believe that there's any you know practical connection into how that needs to flow outwards. And uh, what a what a tragedy that is. Right. That we have people kind of gravitating to either end of the spectrum. And I mean, that's just typical of our world now with, you know, things getting so. Yeah. Bipartisan. And, and I'm, I, I'm drawing a blank at the moment, but there's the there's the priest out of Peru who came up with this movement of liberty, liberation, liberation theology. OK. Movement, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and for some reason, I can't think of his name. Uh, but anyway, he he came up with this thing that that was only social justice, hmm. right? And that, that everything spiritual about Christ, our healing, forgiveness of sin, and all this kind of stuff was sort of, uh, in some ways, this, this allegory of an actual, like, physical things that we were supposed to do. And so he, he does the opposite, where we want to spiritualize all of the active things that we would do to change a person's life in this life. Hmm. Um, he does the exact opposite, and he tries to, in, in his mind, actualize what, what is otherwise spiritual, if that makes any sense. Right. Uh, and, and he becomes sort of a father of, 
social justice as a gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that leads to liberation theology, which leads to a social gospel. Uh, it leads to um, liberal theology. Um, and, and all of those are movements that misunderstood the gospel and even, even became in a lot of ways apostate mm-hmm. from the true gospel. But just because you're caring for your neighbor— it doesn't mean you're. It doesn't mean that. you've joined that. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the second commandment is likened to the first: love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. and if if you're going if you're going to start throwing shade on Jesus saying something like that and say, hold on, like love the Lord your God with all your heart, mm-hmm. but we're going to pump the brakes on this love your neighbor as yourself thing, mm-hmm. then you're going somewhere Jesus didn't go. Yeah. Well, we were talking about, I know we're kind of chatting away here, but we have a, um, a study group on eschatology. We were talking about judgment and the pa- some of the passages we went to that were talking about the judgment. Christ is saying to these people who are being judged, he says, when I was hungry, you fed me. Mm-hmm. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to eat. Right. Like th- those are the practical outflowings. Right. That are that that he's using to distinguish between the sheep and the goats in that situation. Right. And so. I think that like for us to just kind of glaze over the the commands of Christ to love our neighbors as ourselves to serve those who are needy I think is uh is is unwise. So I think I just found that this psalm uh was a very timely reminder for me as I was in my weekly reading mm-hmm. and uh and hopefully other people find it the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Highlights um highlights for me um, I think there's, there's a whole, there's a whole lot we can talk about. Um, but, uh, I, I just really, I just really gravitate towards that last Psalm, to be honest with you. That was, that was something that just kind of, as I was reading, it, it was like, okay, God, you put this in front of my eyes for a reason this week. And so I was just challenged, um, as I read it to, to start thinking, uh, more practically about how to carry out the mandate to, um, to give justice to the weak and the fatherless in uh, in in Stratford, like in our own backyard, in in areas where I can actually have some some significant influence. So that was the highlight for me. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm just going to stick with the uh, the cloud the size of a man's hand rising <laughs> up out of the sea. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> it kind of reminds me when I was a kid and we did those uh, pick your favorite hymn night mm. kind of stuff. I always love to shout out. Uh, and, and have us sing the hymn, It Only Takes a Spark to Get a Fire Going, <laughs> right? And that's how it is with God's love. <laughs> I, I have to revisit that song. It might it might have some problematic things in it now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, that idea that, uh, that he was just, he was so eager to see God do what God was saying he was going to do. Mm. That just, just the hint of it, just the glimpse of it, that's, what he, that's all he needed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as soon as he got a glimpse of it, he was ready to respond. Um, that's an awesome thing. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a product, uh, a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by the socially distanced Alex Walker. <laughs> Talk to you next time. See you, everybody. <laughs>